Welcome to The Labyrinth. My guest today is Adam Aswani, the founder and CEO of Sinoveda, which is a company that sells Ayurvedic herbal teas. Adam has a bachelor's degree in life sciences and master's degree in biotechnology and another master's degree in food science and nutrition. If you find this podcast useful, do like, share, subscribe, hit the bell icon and do follow us on Spotify and Instagram. Okay, and we are live. Adam, welcome to the labyrinth. Good afternoon, Pratham. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm not bad, man. Not bad. So how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I don't know if your audience gets uh, dates on these, but uh, yesterday was Holi. So we had a lovely Holi celebration here in Maharashtra. So brimming from some good uh, spring equinox energies. coming through. <laughs> what did you do on the day of Holi? I don't think that should be spoken about in live podcast, <laughs> but uh, I had fun. <laughs> I had fun. Uh, as long as you did, man. I'm glad you did. <laughs> so Cheers. can you can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, what you have done in your past and what made you reach to this stage in your life? Okay, so just to introduce myself, Adam Aswani, I am primarily a biologist and I have... Uh, done a master's in nutrition with a specialization in sports nutrition and a second master's in food science, uh, sorry, in uh, biotechnology with a specialization in genetics. Um, and I now uh, am spearheading my uh, brand called Sinerveda, where we work with functional herbs. We make functional herbal teas. Uh, how I got into this journey, I was actually supposed to be a pre-med. I was pre-med, I was supposed to be a doctor, but um, I somehow looking at the syllabus I, of course, at that age, I didn't understand so much, but I just didn't like what I was in front of me. Um, so I chose biology instead to understand the human body first and then decide what I wanted to do with the human body. But what I didn't like about med school, the syllabus itself, the first year is pure is anatomy, physiology. They teach you the basics. And the next four years is pure pharmacology. So that kind of was... Well, at that time, it was boring to me. But now that I have all this life experience and where we are now, we understand that like medical science is more symptomatic and it does more harm to the body than good. And it's just, just, not, it's just not aligned with natural human health, which is why I, after studying biology and genetics, uh, I was into fitness. So I studied sports nutrition, but then I meandered more towards natural health. Uh, while I was doing my master's in the States, I got into open relationship with herbs. So although my research interest was developing performance and answers for athletes with my master's in sports nutrition, but I started playing around with herbs. And uh, what I do now is I blend a concentrated herbal extracts, like one with more effectiveness. And we make various blends of uh, indigenous herbs from different parts of the world to make functional teas, like one for energy, one for calming down, one for detox, weight loss and such. Uh, one statement that you made that I find very interesting is medical industry today makes more harm than, uh, you know, providing benefits. Uh, why would you say that? Uh, can you elaborate on that? Sure. Um, well, I mean, 
primarily, basically, we know, I mean, it's not that I'm dissing on the medical industry. It does have its benefits. I do believe that what we call modern medicine or medical science is good for two things, diagnosis and uh, emergency medicine. Like that's, it's a good setup for that. But uh, as far as chronic ailments, um, I feel a holistic approach is more righteous, I think would be the most apt word like than using anything else than medical science. And uh, I would say, okay, how would you define is if you take a broad spectrum of what holistic medicine is, that includes whatever you want, en uh, energy healing, Ayurveda, homeopathy, you put all that in one club and you put medical science or we know modern medicine, allopathy on one side. If you had to define what is the one main difference between the two? Well, Principally. Uh uh, modern medicine is more interested in diagnosing the symptom and curing the symptom at the earliest. Uh, and they disregard uh, long-term issues that may come with uh, you know, short-term diagnosing. Diagnosis is great, but uh, they want a quick fix. But whereas holistic health, they try to look at the root cause of that. It could Holistic health could mean a bunch of things. It could mean Ayurveda. It could mean uh, functional medicine. Um, in functional medicine, what they try to do is they try to go at the root cause of certain issues. For, uh, if you take, for example, the flu, uh, if I go to a doctor, he might inject something into me or he might give me a tablet, but in functional medicine, they'll probably say, hey, you know what? I think you have vitamin D deficiency. Maybe you should spend more time in the sun. And I think that kind of approach can be more helpful, especially in the long run. Right. I think functional medicine is the perfect combination mm. of the knowledge of uh, ancient or older understanding of biology, like some of the ancient medical systems do, and applied medicinal aspects also, modern me applied modern science as well. But I think the main difference, and you're right, like mo modern medicine is very symptomatic rather than, rather than getting to the root cause. It, it only kind of prevails. Like it's like they, they, you, you, ha you have a sprain they give you a painkiller. So it just numbs the pain, right? It doesn't take care of what the, but is that, do you think that's, that's purposeful or do you think that just happens to be like, like an unknown way of they, they, they just do that? Or do you think it's purposeful? Do they purposefully not want to address the root cause? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's partially ignorance and, uh, part and it also has a lot to do with arrogance because today, if I go to a, doctor with the stethoscope around his neck and if i say hey right. you know what may i know the side effects of this drug generally they may even reply by saying am i the doctor or are you or are you the doctor you won't see this in <laughs> any other industry if i go to a restaurant and if i tell him you know what the food yeah. is salty what will he say yeah. he say you know what i'm sorry sir uh, let me get you a replacement but if i go and say the same thing to a doctor he'll say hey i'm i'm in charge here you don't get to tell me what to do right. Okay, you're anti-science. Right. We, we've been hearing a lot of that in the past two years. And that kind of arrogance, yeah, okay. I think, has uh, led uh, the way to this kind of catastrophe in the medical industry. That's, I think, uh, again, that's not a, I, that is very true. Yeah, mm -hmm. of course, that the arrogant God complex that doctors have, it's, mm -hmm. it's everywhere. And, and the more well-known and renowned a doctor is, the more his uh, ego is. And they fuel that, no? But it's not... I would say that's not the root cause again. That is one of the symptoms, the tentacles of symptoms, right? Because uh, think about how doctors are uh, rewarded for what they yeah. do. 
you know, you hear about like, I don't know about your side of town, but like where I'm grown up, like Bombay, Pune, Delhi, whatever. It's like, if you have an ailment, you, you have to go to this doctor because he's the best cardiologist in the city or you have to go. If you're not seeing the best orthopedic surgeon, like your So who defines who is the best doctor in any field, right? You have these doctor awards and whatnot. So doctors get taken on, uh, first of all, they have all these medical journals and whatnot that keep uh, throwing out new technologies, new surgical methods, which they, doctors are like the jocks of the science arena, right? <laughs> so they, they get taken to conferences and then they're like uh, a doctor that performs more surgeries or prescribes more pharma drugs or has inserted, has, uh, inserted more orthopedic instruments in a human body, like it's straight up numbers game. Like it's like sports, like they're, they're assessed based on that. So a doctor that's more beneficial to the pharma or biomed industry is given all these accolades. Like they, all these doctors are flown to like Honolulu or something for a, uh, for a conference. And then the top surgeon is walking up the stage, receiving rewards and like all the, probably all the med medical groupie girls are like, yeah, this doctor's awesome. <laughs> so that, that kind of is a driving potential in, you know, especially men, right? It's mostly men. So this competitive urge to be a better doctor is, is pivoted more towards when we are in, in med school to get better grades to like, and it starts right there. Like in med school, they're just so ingrained to like uh, textbook and like memorizing the textbook and learning all these big words that they're not given any mental bandwidth to think outside of this, this medical science and, think about holistics and it's really weird because somebody's so educated someone that is such a knowledgeable doctor they seem to have no knowledge of understanding the human body at all from the holistic perspective it's completely blank it's like shorted up that entire and then it comes the cognitive dissonance where they're like where they're like so they the more you challenge them the more they want to you know prove themselves as we have seen like you said in the past two years like across the board but what I would say the root cause of, uh, of, from my perspective of understanding, the main difference, if we really get, if we get to the root cause and try to understand the difference, like uh, uh, rational, rationally, the difference between medical science and holistic science, holistic healing, which would include, like you said, anything from Ayurveda, natural healing, functional healing, whatever. Um, if I look at it functionally, um, it, holistic treatment aims to help your body um, heal itself by using its own mechanisms, your own mechanisms, right? Like if you're, like you said, in functional medicine, if you're deficient in magnesium or something, they tell you, take this magnesium, your body will bring itself back to balance and function optimally. Um, it's, if it's Ayurveda, they give you like herbs or whatnot, which brings your body back. In. Ayurveda is all about balance. That's all it is. It doesn't treat any, this disease or that. It just says, bring your body back in balance like to what your morphology is. And then there is no room in your body for dis-ease, which is kind of the, the, func the, the basis for uh, what we call terrain theory now also, right? Like it's, you just bring your body in balance. Medical science, on the other hand, um, the, their basic concept is to override the body's natural systems to uh, give you something which can be uh, which can be capitalized on. So it's, it has to be something external. 
be it a drug or surgery, it has to be something external because it is a business, it is an industry. They cannot allow you to heal on yourself. They cannot allow plants to heal you because plants cannot be patented. So now if I am going to create a drug that cures, let's say for example, diabetes or treats diabetes, right? Let's not say cure because that's a big bad word. Let's say <laughs> I come up with a drug that treats diabetes. Um, now, if I tell you that this drug will treat your diabetes in a month and you take it for a month and you're fine, um, that would be great, which exists, but they don't want that to because for, in order for a big pharma company to put a drug out in the market, it takes 10 to 20 years of research. Uh, it takes a lot of uh, patenting and paperwork. So in the end, it's medical industry. The pharma industry is all about patents. So once I have a patent for a drug, I can sell it at whatever price I want, but the, for a period of time, for 10 years, then that patent becomes public, apparently. So in that 10-year period, I can capitalize as much as I want. So I have to make a drug which you have to take lifelong in order for me to cover my costs to be able to put that drug out in the market. Yeah. So in a way, it could be purposeful that they don't make drugs that can cure you instantly because the numbers don't add up for the investors. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and even I uh, lean towards this opinion as well. But if we go down this rabbit hole, people will generally try to uh, criticize us. They criticize this kind of thinking by labeling us as conspiracy theorists or even anti-vaxxers. Uh, do you ever get irritated when they try to shut you with through these labels? this last past two years we've seen that happen no they've literally created this psyops to 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 change the whole uh was it george orwell that wrote like there will yeah. come a time where media will make lies into truth and truth into lies yes. and that's Ni wow that, that's exactly yeah. what's happening 1984 now. yes 1984 yeah so that was initially it was very frustrating and coming from the background that i am like i was I was pro-holistic before pro-holistic was cool, right? So, <laughs> so it's, it was frustrating. But uh, I think more now, as I'm sure you're aware, we're, we're, today we're having this conversation. So like, uh, it's kind of, they've hit the ax on their own leg because now more and more people are realizing the evils of medical industry than there were before because of how ridiculous this whole pandemic thing has become, right? Absolutely. I was a normie at the beginning of this. I was a normal person minding really? my own business. Yeah. I, I, I didn't This care thing about is this. what unlocked your mind. Yes. Okay. Uh, this thing. How did that happen? How, I'm curious. Uh, like, uh, at uh, what point did that, did okay. that hit your. So, I was a libertarian even prior to this. I was a very pro liberty, pro freedom kind of person even prior to the COVID pandemic. Now, when this uh, pandemic began, there was this Janata curfew. Uh, there was one day of curfew and then there was lockdowns. I saw people, I was living in Bangalore at that time. And I was seeing people getting chased with lattes and getting beaten up. And I used to think, wait a minute, why? What is the need for so much police brutality for a disease that yeah. has practically 99 point something percent survival rate? And then gradually yeah. I'm seeing there's more fear. They said, uh, no leaving the house and mask up for two weeks. I said, okay, fine. It's only two weeks, right? Fine. I'll follow the rules. Two weeks became two okay. months. Yeah. Two months became six months. And I'm looking around at my friends and uh, a couple of my friends, they were really scared. And I asked them basic questions like, why are we being so scared? And a few of my friends, they're wearing masks, right? From their house. They're, they're traveling from their house to the restaurant. 
with a mask while riding their bike and then we are sitting on a table and we're all taking off our masks so that <laughs> so that didn't make sense kind to of me okay question. yeah right. that that is like okay this goes against basic common sense and logic uh so i just asked go. like yeah. why why are we doing this like wh- what is happening like why are we doing this to and one of my friends said hey you can't question mass you know how many people have died haven't you seen the news like yeah okay but how how are we saving lives by following this absurd rule and uh, you know i right. i got a lot of eye rolls for that and i used to think wait isn't science all about asking questions and open debates you know criticizing people and labeling people that's religion today we are seeing science behaving like religion <laughs> and uh, exactly exactly yes and, and for the first time i'm seeing people who are more uh, science oriented censoring people this was generally done by religion religious fundamentalists and pro science people criticized religious people all these years because religious people are into censoring and stuff and today the science pro, the so called pro science people are doing that and then to make right. you know uh, the event that really hit me was uh, somewhere i think uh, mid or in the beginning of 2021 my personal doctor uh, i i've already told this incident multiple times on the podcast so he walked into a supermarket without a mask and he started arguing with one of the clerk in the supermarket and that video that cctv footage uh, went viral it it came on ndtv and all the news channels and everyone is like okay. oh this doctor being a doctor is not wearing a mask is a covid idiot and all that crap and that really changed my mindset i i went down one okay. rabbit hole and another rabbit hole another rabbit hole and, it, and the algorithms took care of the rest yeah for you yeah, <laughs> they like opened up that yeah. side of it perspective did. for you okay exactly so i'm glad to hear that that because uh, exactly like you said when the when the lathi thing and all this really enforced fear was going on i was just wondering how are people not seeing through this how are people not seeing through this but like you said even after you are realizing this there are still people around you that are still not that they're not seeing through it i mean once you do it's like uh, so evident that it's like for me being a biologist and coming from the background right from the beginning when they told me about when you hear these newspapers or what not i'm like what the what the what's going on because it it doesn't add right and i'll tell you why i mean the very basic fundamental thing what is a i made a video about this i don't know if you got a chance to check out some of my youtube videos but what is a virus what a virus is, is nothing but protein so you have so so in the scientific community we're still not sure if we classify viruses as living organisms or parasites because viruses do not have any cell organelles like your uh, cytoplasma like or plants animals do right there's prokaryotic cells and eukaryotic cells and then there's viruses they don't have any cellular machinery except for their nucleotide sequence which is your either dna or rna there's viruses of both types dna or rna encapsulated so it's like just a dna strand or a rna strand uh, in a nucleus which is encapsulated in a little box made of protein and it has little either flagella or tentacles or whatever it requires for movement and latching depends on the environment in which that virus is supposed to be like our beloved covid virus has yeah. those spikes on it spikes, because it's yeah. supposed to latch onto cells yeah. uh, some viruses have tentacles some viruses have different kind of apparatus but it's all protein it's all just protein fragments 
what do we know about proteins proteins heated any protein heated over 80 degrees celsius breaks it loses its consistency which is why when we boil water to make it pure because anything that is bacteria or viruses that exist in water once you take it to boiling temperature it lyses it dies that's how fragile <laughs> these things are bacteria sometimes can you can have lipophilic bacteria uh, you can have thermophilic bacteria which reside in more like prefer heat conditions or whatever but viruses cannot survive over 80 degrees celsius which is why our bodies have a natural defense mechanism when you have a viral infection your body naturally raises this temperature the reason we get a fever is your body raises its temperature to kill the virus that's and we pop paracetamol and reduce our body's own natural defenses so again very purposeful no that they yeah. tell you to take paracetamol to reduce your body's defense mechanism so that the virus can keep and then they give you some antibiotics after that so it's quite kind of brilliantly structured the whole industry if you ask me but uh, so that's the thing like you can't tell me that there is a virus which cannot be killed like that's impossible we have chemotherapy we have all kinds of antibiotics like any antibiotic can kill a biological organism so the fundamental of this thing is just ridiculous and the fact that a virus is active in many different countries in different temperatures around the world is also very improbable because every virus or bacteria like i said earlier has a very specific temperature range and ph range in which it is uh, more uh, prevalent and active so a virus that likes hot temperature cannot survive in cold temperature a virus that is in moderate temperature will die in the heat or by bacteria also for that matter so when we are telling me about a global why have we never seen a global pandemic in our entire human history is because such a thing cannot exist like the world has diversity for a reason for this is the very reason so so it just seemed very improbable to me but i was just waiting to see when do people get it but then again people were not getting it it's it's not so much about uh, the anything else but fear propaganda right like media yeah. and fear and they got these smartphones to latch into our brains and insert like the emotion of fear or the vibration or whatever they wanted us to feel i feel the whole thing was a huge experiment to see how how stupid we are human mm. beings are <laughs> masses in general and yeah and they've succeeded with their experiment so far <laughs> they found out how stupid I, I would, they are yeah i would think so it's it's actually separating the wheat from the chaff right yeah like you know who the masses are who who actually will believe and buy into what programming is fed to them and then there's people like you who at some point like snap out of it and be like wait i'm not i'm not like i'm not following through with this like then that breaks you through so yeah yeah it i mean there uh, there is a bigger pandemic okay because in the united states to look if i just look at the basic statistics uh, almost 80% okay. of people who died of covid were obese and the average person who died of covid didn't have one okay. or two but four comorbidities that is obesity plus diabetes plus wow. hypertension and so on really so so i the question that that's I a keep, very interesting research yeah, yeah so, that's so very the, interesting to know uh, so this is what i believe okay i believe that the comorbidities play a much bigger role in the death of that person than covid 
and the real pandemic in my opinion is obesity and diabetes and all these digestive issues if we get rid of them if we fix our diet and if we exercise regularly we don't even need to talk about covid that's what i think a sure dude i mean really again uh, i think being sedentary is mm-hmm. what has really messed up human health because god did not create this body to sit in front of a chair and then be in a ac car being driven home god created this body to bring down woolly mammoths and fight <laughs> saber tooth tigers and walk 40 miles a day right so if you take that intense machinery and you make it sedentary and we have availability of food in plethora right now right we don't have we don't have to fight for our food which is why animals are always fit and lean you don't see fat animals in the wild because the natural system keeps them lean because you have to be you know survival of the fittest it's like it's just that and uh, we are uh, creating uh, not just oh, oh, you're right like all, all these uh, digest uh, food related uh, morbidities like uh, like diabetes and what not it's just because that exercise and uh, diet pattern is not set right yeah uh, a few years ago you were in california you were uh, i think you were studying how was your experience living in california um i did my masters there uh, i was in central california and uh, so i was like in between la and san francisco more in the agricultural belt so i was okay. working in agriculture for a bit after finishing my masters in food science and uh, yeah man uh, it was it was lovely it was nice it gave me a lot more insight into living in more naturic than how urban india is set up mm-hmm. urban india is 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 there's less nature and more pollution and what not so uh, that that was nice yeah 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 and you also uh, have some experience as an apprentice to an ayurvedic doctor i believe yes so after like i said uh, mm-hmm. after i did my masters in the states i worked in agriculture for a bit then i came back to india and uh, i worked in i started working more in holistic medicine and what not and just to because my background was in biology and genetics so then um, i apprenticed with an ayurvedic doctor in belgaon little north of goa to kind of understand the principles of ayurveda but i don't necessarily subscribe so much to ayurvedic treatments especially when it comes to so i'm more of i lean more towards the functional and regenerative medicine side of things uh, ayurveda although i love the principles of ayurveda like we talked about the balance of the body and the morphology and what not um but i don't uh, and i've written a blog about this is a little controversial especially with in india but like i i i feel like there are some aspects of ayurveda which is why it, the medicines at least are not really as effective in today's day and age yeah. because have you take ever taken ayurvedic treatments or medicine uh i ever have... like are you familiar have you seen a bottle or yeah i have taken uh, many times in my life and to be honest with you even i'm not uh, the biggest fan of ayurveda i think the problem with ayurveda uh, is that sometimes they're very vague they don't try to uh, they don't try to fix a particular problem they they'll give you a syrup or they'll give you a tablet and they'll say that you know what okay. take this over a couple of months and your issue may get fixed i think even if i'm patient over a couple of months the issue can get fixed by itself this is uh, not me trying to diss on ayurveda i think uh, they can do a lot 
in trying to be more specific well that's the thing bro because we are so conditioned to the western ideologies and western medicine uh, the it's hard for them uh, mm. especially your traditional ayurvedas to explain to you because it's a completely different system and a different approach to the human body uh, if you like i could share with you a little bit sure um, so so they break the body morphology down based on the elements right not so much ha- uh, system systemically like modern medicine does so modern medicine in understanding the human body has just uh, understood everything from a very molecular basis because western medicine and everything that's western including the science that our world follows today comes from the understanding of psyche or 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 the of the mind because everything that is western and everything that is modern science roots from the philosophies of uh, roots from the ideologies of grecian philosophy you you, you remember that socrates and descartes yeah. and what not so modern okay. everything that is modern knowledge of science and humanity and what not comes from the root of grecian philosophy which was more mind related so everything that is modern science is molecular basis so when you do talk about pharma meds or even functional meds for that matter it's it's molecular based like you, this is the symptom this is the biochemistry that's causing it you put a drug in that will change this 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 chemical reaction right so it's all molecular based ayurveda like most ancient medicines is not just molecular based but it is more quantum it looks at things from energy field spectrums as well so actually if you get into deep ayurveda and these are like vedas that are like removed from the modern world and they are actually practicing they the ayurveda includes a lot of alchemy which is why a lot of modern medicine you know you have all these controversies about ayurvedic medicines having lead and mercuric poisoning and what not mm-hmm. right yeah. so that's because uh, these factories like your patanjali himalaya what not they just make these these tablets in a machine and put it out right but actually if you look at the original sushrut texts right um every medicine or any con- concoction they will have very specific instructions like you have to mix these elements in a iron vessel and stir it with a aluminum stirrer 100 times clockwise very specific because ayurvedic preparations is also alchemically in- induced it's not just mixing of herbs so which is why you know a lot of those elements of alchemy and uh, quantum uh, aspects of thing gets missed out on in modern ayurveda and what modern ayurveda is where you have like so modern medicine has tried to integrate ayurveda in their own format of modern medicine which is why the ayurvedic schools and colleges which is modern colleges is structured around medical science like western medical science and it is not it, it has taken away most of the root practices of ayurveda especially by making a lot of the really potent herbs illegal uh potent herbs examples <laughs> datura marijuana ephedra which is somlata which is somlata is a herb called uh, called uh, uh, mahuang in japanese culture which uh, it comes from japan it grows mostly in modern uh, northern like more mountainous regions it has those red berries and it is an amazing herb for curing respiratory diseases like bronchitis and asthma 
but they want to sell vasodilating drugs and uh, injections. So they made that herb illegal in a lot of countries, saying that it causes harmful effects. So that's another aspect of, of what pharma is doing now. It is nowadays, if you Google search herbs, you find side effects of this herb in a higher SEO than the actual benefits of it or whatever. Uh, and I think that's purposefully being done by pharma companies. Like, you know, you have your Mayo Clinic and uh, uh, WebMD and whatnot, which are funded by pharma and have a higher SEO ranking. So they're dissuading, you know, psychologically they're dissuading. Media, again, is like showing you what they want to show you to structure your understanding of things. So yeah, coming back to, sorry, I digress. We're talking about uh, how a lot of um, herbs that have been made illegal, like marijuana, for example, there's a lot of mentions of marijuana for various different ailments in Ayurveda, including IBS, colitis, and things like that. It's it's really good herb. Like uh, there's a there's something called bhang basma, which is uh, uh, marijuana leaves along with fennel seeds and a couple of other herbs. There's four ingredients, which is roasted on a pan with ghee, like pure ghee, and then drained out, and a preparation is made of this into a ball which is an amazing cure for IBS and colitis. So, you know, irritable bowel syndrome and things like that. It can be really, really cured. And if you want to make it, anyone out there that has stomach issues or IBS or something, uh, a simplified version of that is you can take some marijuana leaves and boil it in water and add some fennel and drink that in, in like before a meal or something. It helps settle your tummy and acts as an antispasmodic and prevents that uh, infl bowel inflammation. Yeah. I mean, uh, I see marijuana making a comeback. Uh, it's slowly making a yes. comeback. I think more and more people are accepting uh, marijuana, especially in medical fields. In India, it's very easy to get uh, medical marijuana. There are websites like Vedi Herbals. There's another called, I think it's called India Hemp Organics or something like that. From where you can buy tablets. I was, I was at. You can you can buy tablets of you know of marijuana or cannabis to help you with multiple medical conditions, but you are saying something. Yes, in fact, you're very right. In fact, I was at a festival recently. Uh, I do a lot of uh, festivals and events for my, for my, uh, for my brand, for Sinar Veda. Mm -hmm. And I came across this new brand called Dr. Hemp. And apart from making hemp products, they're also planning to make CBD oils and, uh, and uh, THC-based tinctures. And they've tied up with about 100 and about 235 Ayurvedic doctors across the country who can give a prescription for this. So that's really, that's, that's very pivotal. As I was saying earlier, they made a lot of these herbs illegal so that they cannot be used in Ayurveda anymore. And that way people don't find Ayurveda effective anymore and meander back towards pharma. So that, that's what, that's what broke the shackles of Ayurveda by making the more potent uh, healing mechanisms not usable. So, so now that uh, this has come back, it's a, it's a huge revolution. Don't you think like we're at a turn of events where more and more people are realizing that the pharma industry is not what it's, not what it's touted to be? Yeah, absolutely. But yet yeah. it's a huge industry. It's the biggest industry in the world. So like it's going to be a battle, right? To like topple them down. Do you yeah. think that's possible in our lifetimes? We're going to see that? Uh, I don't know if it's possible, but it's a fight worth fighting for. Uh, it, now, it, when I just use the word big pharma itself, a lot of people think of that as, oh, that's, that's not really true. There is no such thing called big pharma. But all you have to do is a simple Google search. 
the biggest fine paid in the history of us and the first thing that will come is uh, pfizer pfizer has paid okay. the biggest fine in us history for fraudulent marketing because they were uh, telling a bunch of doctors hey promote our drugs and we'll pay you and they had to pay like a couple of billion dollars for the us government and this thing keeps repeating it's not just pfizer it's also johnson and johnson merck of and, course it is yeah. yeah this is just highlighted but like it's it yeah. happens right you have law just like you have lobbyists in the tobacco industry who go around the senate and get people to pass laws to make cigarettes cigarettes legal like why are cigarettes legal that cause cancer and marijuana that cures cancer is illegal right like i think so ha ah, so coming back to when you said like your mind opened up when you were when you saw during this pandemic and you realize oh shit like wait a minute maybe what we're being told is all lies my mind opened up i think this is why they call marijuana a gateway drug because the first time you smoke weed which is like you remember when we were kids and we were like oh my gosh there's a drugs and that's so bad and it's evil bad people do drugs it's programmed in us right it's ingrained through our cultural programming more than media at that time right but then when you actually smoke it and you're like no sense to me and then then you question what legal is and what legality entails yeah. and i believe that for me was breaking the shackles for like realizing okay what the government tells you to do or not do just like religion as we find out on our own is not necessarily the best for us so then then you don't you go question you don't even i don't even think i question things anymore i just don't i just don't follow their or the, their legal systems or what not they I, i don't prescribe yeah. to them but coming back to this is an interesting uh, point where did the medical industry start from when did how did we start using chemical drugs instead of natural medicines because although we call it western medicine because for us it comes from the west but uh, back in the day i mean before medicine, modern medicine existed I, i don't know if you know when when did it start but it's not only that in india we have ayurveda and in china we have tcm right everywhere in the world even the native americans were using plants and and energy healing a lot right you've heard of rape and what not that that native americans do even in europe there were a lot of healers i mean all over the world that's what we man has grown with nature right so we have always had plants as our healers which is like been prevalent everywhere in fact you know very interesting thing about the the synergy between plants and 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 human beings and animals plants evolve symbiotically with animals in their vicinity because only if they produce molecules that serve us will they be prolific so if i am a plant and i am making i i i have you know all plants have a variety of phytochemicals different constituents you know you have tannins you have uh, saponins you have a lot of uh, plant molecules right Uh, which is what we call functional or plant medicine or medicinal herbs what not because we use these things so if i am a plant and i'm making molecules if that molecule that i make does not serve anybody else i will go extinct because nobody needs me i i'm a weed but if i make compounds which help others like tomatoes for example are nutritious or potatoes or onions are nutritious for human beings hence they are so much more grown right Well, compared to yeah. a plant that does not provide you nutrition so plants symbiotically have grown side by side around us producing molecules that benefit us so that we grow them more and we let them grow more 
So there is this synergy between man and nature that exists, which it's a very energetic thing. But if you are out in the forest by yourself and you are starvation, if you go into your grassroot survival mode and there is something that your body needs, the jungle will provide it. Are you familiar with this phenomenon? Have you experienced this? I've never experienced anything like this, no. Have you experienced plant medicine? Um, no. Like, I, I mean, uh, like uh, ayahuasca or rape or no, I, ibogaine I'm, or something of that sort. I'm, I'm yet to experience ayahuasca. So I saw you had an interview with Ritika and she had a very yeah. amazing experience with ayahuasca herself and and uh, we were speaking about it a little bit, but I think ayahuasca is one of the absolute, like it gives you a pure connection with nature and you really understand your connection with nature. So the Native Americans have like a kind of a, a coming of age, you know, like how in India we have like, you become a Brahmin, you get this puja and you wear a thread, yeah. right? Something like that when you turn 13 or Jewish people think you can snip your penis a little bit and have the rabbi do this and you become a man. So, <laughs> so the Native Americans, I feel, have a more holistic approach towards coming of age. So once a child turns like, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, where he's ready to hunt and be a man and join the tribe, right? They send him on a spirit quest. Okay. okay. So they, they throw him a little party, like a nice feast, you know, where he gets to enjoy with everybody. They get the blessings of the family and the tribe. And he's sent off into the forest and he starves and he starves and he completely gets lost and gets into survival. He's alone in the forest, but they know, the elders know, everybody that's experienced it know that within two to three days, when he reaches that peak point of survival, he will find this plant and it will call out to him. And this plant in the Native American uh, tribal cultures, uh, tribal ceremonial, uh, they use uh, uh, this uh, cactus, which contains masculine. Right, I uh, cannot think of the name of the species. Are right you talking now, about peyote? Are you talking about peyote? peyote? Yes, yeah. yes, peyote. So any child that is roaming the forest for three days will find the plant calls out to him, and he eats this, and then he just understands his place in the world, his connection with nature and whatnot. So plants have this synergy with mankind, which we have forgotten because we are so disconnected from nature right now. So that's uh, once you have that kind of a connection or that uh, understanding of nature, you know that like it, it, it's there, like plants can do anything, any ailment that you have, any problem you have, there is a solution in nature to find it. Unfortunately, we've broken that connection. But back in the day, it was before modernization and whatnot, it existed. So everywhere there was plant medicine. Plant medicine was the norm of medicine. So where, when, like you said, we're going back to that now in its, all its brilliance. Where did we meander away from that? Why did we meander away from that? How did that happen in human history? Not entirely sure. Um, I, if you were to take a gander, like what do you think? Like just logically is thinking. Uh, where do I think modern medicine got extremely popular? I think- Started. Was, like uh, where did we think about this concept of putting chemicals in our body? St Instead of to think natural herbs. Okay, chemicals into our bodies. I'm not entirely sure, man. Really. Um, no, I, I can't even take a guess, to be honest with you.
so all through the it was mostly the colonial era when they started mm-hmm. because even during the before the colonial era uh, everywhere it was holistic medicine like even in europe even in america native americans everyone was using plants uh when we started building cities the first city that was really a what you call big modern city paris london these started coming up right so because we were living instead of living holistically in nature how we have in villages which which were with the mud and thatch huts and what not we're now putting concrete walls and plumbing and sewers those sewers gave rise to rats and rats rats carried diseases and we had our first plague in the 13th century which was a massive plague that killed a lot of people right and the the doctors or the doctors that used plant medicines and what not at that time could not cure this pandemic that they had at that time with the, the plants were not sufficient enough so they needed something more poisonous so they started using uh, penicillin based uh, arsenic arsenic and mercury based derivatives and that is was effective enough to kill such intense uh, viral uh, such intense infections um and that's what like gave rise to 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 modern medicine in its grassroots right so from my understanding the way i see it is mankind's biggest sin is living in the city because as soon as we build cities we broke away our natural a connection with nature and that's where like we had to use chemicals to fight things because things that were coming at us were so evil that we need something more intense than what nature can provide to kill them so if uh, mankind's biggest sin and if you... is moving to cities then what is the solution because today we yeah. see a lot of people talking about uh, off grid living and homeschooling what do you think are the alternatives right that again like it, it starts with that but then if you think about it like what you were talking about earlier right like uh, obesity digestive diseases lack of exercise it's such a huge issue uh, that it's it's causing all the health problems that humanity has today right so and then we go to a gym and then we run on a treadmill like a fucking hamster you know <laughs> like instead of using that being naturally inclined to like working in the fields feel i think there has to be a connection with food human diabetes is a issue because we don't have a we don't grow our own food we don't if you can't grow your own food at least cook your own food you know or go out and buy the produce yourself you know you touch and see the vegetables instead of clicking a button online having a connection with food is something this i learned from a holistic practitioner having a connection with food uh, builds your own digestive enzymes and release of insulin uh, that sensitivity along with your your daily routine so you know when you're picking your vegetables when you're chopping your fruit what not it it makes your body prepared for knowing what nutrients are coming in and what digestive enzymes and what should i release what my ph acidity should be like i said it's very quantum it's very our human bodies are very quantumly connected with nature and uh, by doing that itself we have you know we don't have i'll tell you the simple solution to diabetes have your meals on time and exercise 1 hour a day that's it that's okay. it meals okay. on time because your body body should have an understanding of how much insulin to i release this much insulin at breakfast i release this much insulin for lunch and this much insulin for dinner so sorry you were saying something yeah, what do you mean by quantum because i see this word being thrown here and there by a lot of people but <laughs> that word quantum it has multiple meanings what do you mean by it 
um so i forget the name of this amazing physicist that i was that i used to follow a lot on on, on his youtube videos i so sorry cannot remember his name but he is meandering now into an area which is more of more interest to me which is quantum biology and he opens his ted talk by saying that if you ever meet somebody who says that i understand quantum uh, i understand understand quantum physics i would not trust that man <laughs> because even people that have spent their entire lifetime studying quantum physics still don't understand it and it is a complete um it's a very different perspective shift for us humans because another way of looking at it is uh, we are shifting from 3d to 5d is something that you've heard a little bit yeah, yeah. in a lot of spiritual so, circles yeah i think it's it's I, i wouldn't use it as a term of definition myself but just because it's common place so let's let's see where you're at and see where we can build from that what is your understanding of what quantum works what I, means to you like what do you i do you i think? really don't know what quantum means okay a lot of people in the spiritual circles use it but they use it very vaguely and uh, it can be problematic also True. because if you if you pinpoint and if you ask them explain to me exactly what you mean by quantum they may not be able to give a proper answer and if you ask the science people if you ask physicians or uh, astrophysicians what uh, the word quantum means they will probably give an explanation that will probably go above my head because it's a very uh, yeah. sophisticated That's thing <laughs> that is so true like on both sides of the spectrum we don't have a meander yeah okay so let's let's see if we can find a easier way to understand it joe rogan podcasts are really good way to understand these things because he i think he's had people who can really cross that bridge between science and spirituality but uh, let me at least try to share with you to get an in depth of what it could be have you heard of the japanese monkey experiments oh uh, no I'm the not. japanese experiments like with monkeys so there's this island okay and then there is an another island 100 or some 100 odd miles away right so in this and both because it's in the same area they have a very similar species of macaws right in the same kind of look in in the same vicinity so it's the same geography ge- same geography the same species but they are hundreds of miles apart on a completely different island and there is absolutely no way that they have any intercommunication between them so they got on one island and they teach some things to these monkeys here and similarly the monkeys on the other island pick up on those things similarly i mean why they came up with that ideas because they are in um, the more southern in the islands filipino islands there are birds that make certain sounds in one and they pick up on a certain sound you know like macaws they pick up on a sound and another island miles apart those birds also start making similar sounds so they said maybe birds can fly so let's try this with monkeys across a 100 mile of ocean and they taught them certain things and the monkeys over there picked up on that so that ties into something we call the superconscious where even in the world of science when there is a certain idea that has come up in some person's mind other people have tapped into it and had the same discovery in another part of the world at around the same time that is called a superconscious and uh, this is spoken about a lot in uh, the doors of perception by aldous huxley you should give that a read sometime he has yeah. a double book called heaven and hell and doors of perception so the superconscious is something that exists so how would you explain that if you were to use rationale to explain that 
it is not rational uh, the reason why i think it's uh, I, and i don't mean that as a criticism uh, i'm saying rationality no, it's you're analyzing yeah, to understand yeah, yeah yeah rationality and analysis itself is so limiting that explanations like okay. this are beyond uh, normal human rational because these are things that we cannot calculate now i can calculate my bmi i can calculate my uh, blood sugar how do you calculate this this is beyond uh, human capabilities of understanding you know what you're absolutely right until the last statement you made mm. it may be not be beyond human cap- capacity of understanding but we are at a limited capacity of understanding where we are not able to understand it mm. okay but maybe we have had capabilities earlier or we are going back into being able to understand basically anything that is energy spectrum so now there is something known as quantum healing where like somebody does healing at one location and someone and they can do healing for someone halfway across the world and that works okay. i i'm still really really keen to know how that happens or exactly like you said how do we uh, how do we quantify that and how yeah. do we actually prove that in our and in our limited way of understanding logic and rational right now maybe there can be an experimental design to set that up but yeah the, the fact remains that our, that that there is something known as an energy spectrum or a grid which there is communication in that grid but okay. but it's not molecular it's not molecular it is energy and um, uh, the, the, the even the human body right we have first thought that like we can only communicate through our nervous system and our central uh, our lymphatic system right so your nervous system carries signals to your brain and then your brain uses your circulatory system your lymphatic system your blood and your lymph to send whatever molecules is required to that part that is the what we have understood as known what, what like how the body functions and modern medicine is based on that function that limited understanding the reason why modern med- medicine is so limited in understanding this phenomenon of how our cells communicate is because we have medical science was founded by the pioneers who discovered how the human body works by dissecting cadavers okay they would dig up cadaver dig mm-hmm. up uh, dead bodies yeah. from from graveyards or get permission to dissect cadavers and understand okay this connects to this this connects to that this is how this works and written medical uh, books which is which now sits on the shelves of our medical colleges right but the difference was that these were dead bodies so they don't know how a live body is different from a dead body and that is the energetic connection that exists between cells which we call prana or the cha- or the more oriental side is called chi which leaves the body after death so that itself is a is a force field which communicates you're familiar with this right yeah Prana, i am i am life force yes yeah so in your understanding of prana it is what what is it like uh to be honest with you i try not to uh go into this too much i try not to do too much research into things like uh, prana and chi because uh the thing is i used to i i have come out of a very rationalist uh, background i used to hang out with a lot of irrationalist rational... background 
not irrational rationalists okay like rationalist there, there, yeah there okay. is a school of uh, the philosophy called rationalists in india uh, and, and most of these people are atheists they don't believe in god uh, they look at okay. everything in objective way and i used to be an atheist as well so and and, okay. and i was heavily influenced by them as well and they okay. uh, look at everything from an objective way you know we need clinical studies if there is no clinical studies if there is no evidence we are not going to believe in that so i come from that background and uh, no, okay. uh, and now i'm starting to question some of that now i'm uh, starting to think maybe maybe not all answers in lives have to be in our life has to be objective maybe some of the things are meant to be subjective maybe some things are beyond uh, uh beyond calculation beyond logic like prana and chi you can't uh, you can't quantify prana or chi for uh, as far as i know and uh, it's it's not that i'm against uh, the understanding of prana or chi but how i think is okay maybe this thing is true but what do i do with that how do i apply that, that that's okay. what i think okay okay yeah so yeah interesting you we had this conversation with uh, ritika also last week about mm. uh, atheists and what not uh, i think being an atheist is part of the journey because we are forced through religion in our yeah. any culture that we are raised we are forced a false uh, understanding of of god or spiritual this thing through religion it's important to break out of that becoming an atheist and saying that i don't believe in this god that is taught to me that has been forced on me the god that you all are telling me about i don't believe in that mm-hmm. take away from that and then go through life and find mm-hmm. god yourself or the answer yeah. of the god question yourself i i think and for that everybody i think everyone's journey is individual and that's the whole thing what their spirituality and religion i feel meander across different in separate paths is because religion is more about mass indoctrination like you sit in one church or a temple with 500 people and have the same experience i don't know if that's possible i think spirituality is a individual experience because your connection with divine has some very this whole aspect of sacredness is like you it's your own personal understanding your own connection so when you get that connection you understand what god is and for for some people it is you know finding in a temple banging a bell in maybe it could be for that yeah. guy for some people somebody it might be tripping on lsd at a music festival and experience absolute blissfulness some for me for, for me it was on mushrooms sitting on a rock overlooking a valley i saw the face of god is what i like to call it and i think the as what i feel um what god is or the energy or the vibration of god is absolute bliss that's it absolute okay. bliss so when we have those fleeting moments because in life we always have so many stresses and we're always worried at any given in this moment right now you're thinking about your next moment you're always stressed about the next moment right you're always like what will happen next what's going to happen later so in every moment you're actually worried about something that does not even exist which is the next moment but in some some times when you live in the moment and you experience that moment in its fullness that is when you excavate yourself into blissfulness and that's the closest to god we'll ever be so the more blissfulness we experience the closer we are to god and that's all it is yeah absolutely man and 
I think these these are things that people have to experience for themselves. It's uh, exactly. It, it cannot be explained. It has to be experienced. <laughs> and uh, you know, coming. Thank you, yeah, thank yeah. you. Coming to that. Sorry to cut you off because this is where I was going mm-hmm. with this. So you're right. Like uh, modern science and rationale is one side of things, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm a scientist myself, so I understand the value and I appreciate all of the scientists and mathematicians that have given us this. Like they've literally taken this unknown world and they've charted it for us. Someone like you and I, at a tip of two buttons, we can have access to the exact every pinpoint decimal mapping of this world and mathematics and logic and physics and dynamics. So it's wonderful. Science is a very amazing tool for understanding the world around us. But then, like you said, like the energy aspects, which yet modern medicine does not have the technology to quantify or measure these aspects. And we are getting there. We are getting there. But I feel instead, if you're trying to understand prana, chi, energy, quantum, rather, because it's not something like we have both understood that we can understand through words and rationale. So reading a book can only give you an informative understanding of what it is, but to experience it properly, I feel what would be a better way to do that for you would be to start experience it by learning under a master, which was the ancient way. In the ancient way, you know, like even the Vedic texts and what the Brahmins that would get trained, right? There was no written textbooks. It was passed down from a master to an apprentice to a, and so on and so forth down the lineage. So it is an experiential aspect that makes you learn. So the person I spoke to at uh, the conference that we were at last week about Ayurveda, he told me this, that an actual Ayurveda, like a Ved, traditional Vedya, not the modern Ayurveda school, they spent about 30 to 40 years under a master. And then they, they first 18 years, they are taught the basics of life. Then from age 18 to 30, they are taught about uh, plants and the world around them. And at age 30, they are taught about energy systems. So it takes that much life experience and training under a master to learn these energetic principles. Same with the monks that are in, in the Buddhist temples and all, it takes years to understand. So it's an exper- experiential understanding which cannot be imparted in books. You can under- read the words and get a contextual understanding of what this could be, but you have to experience it yourself by doing it yourself. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go on a slightly different tangent right now. A few years ago, Okay. Uh, okay. I was just reading your website and it said that a few years ago you had moved to Anjuna in Goa where you had set up a makeshift laboratory to develop uh, formulations okay. using concentrated botanical extracts. This sounds a lot like Breaking Bad. <laughs> what did you cook in that lab? <laughs> <laughs> very, very legal stuff though. So this was, no, this was just uh, uh, my own uh, using experimental methods that I've learned in the lab. I've spent most of my life in a lab with a lab coat and a clipboard. I was I worked in the food industry in the States and before that I was working in uh, as a scientist in uh, quality assurance and uh, uh, and trained in uh, scientific uh, analysis and whatnot. Uh, so I took that knowledge and instead of being in a laboratory, I made my own lab with, uh, with these herbal extracts to make my formulations. I would experiment with different vials and test it on myself and I would, I would like I was making the energy drink formulation, first of all. So I would take this herb and that herb. Okay, this sounds interesting. Let me combine these. And then I would run on the beach and then check my, you know, my vitals, my blood pressure and whatnot to assess like 
how how well it was suiting my physiology. So I did the first experiments on me before putting out the formulation. That that was it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> this this again goes back to. But it was fun. You know, yeah. This again goes back to things can't be explained; they have to be experienced. I think you are someone who's experienced these <laughs> things firsthand. <laughs> yeah. And uh, now uh, you yeah. know, yeah, you and it's I. It's more fun, also. Exactly. It's more fun than a classroom, like yeah. Exactly. I mean, classrooms can make life very dull. <laughs> uh, and yeah, man. Yeah. That's why doctors are the way they are, man, because they just <laughs> burden with this really dingy environment that they're. Yeah. Jawani to udhar khatam ho gaye. Like by the time you finish med school and then you do your masters and then you do your internship and whatnot, you're already past thirty. Mm-hmm. Then you start earning and then you can think about getting a wife home. and that entire phase of your life you're just stuck not expressing youth i think that's why doctors personalities especially in india is the way they are because they're frustrated because they've not experienced life isn't that doesn't that make sense i guess that's true for almost all occupations man because in india professionals yeah, yeah in india i yeah. think life generally is depressing especially if you're a slave to the system you're very, very right man you're that's so true and gives you the things a little bit uh, how you say that indian jugaad is a north indian word i don't know how it translates in south india but yeah coming back to what you it that reminds me like my experience in the us uh, i think more than anything else what i took i gained from being in the states it allowed me to uh, to ex- to uh, experience my individuality which in india if you're a little different from the societal norm you're looked down upon and you're kind of like okay that guy's weird like stay away from him because it's a very uncle auntie kind of culture it's like very you know you're it's very judgmental culture everyone's in this system of this matrix or this like you said this rat race and if you meander a little outside of it you're looked down upon but america celebrates individuality a little too much nowadays though i feel <laughs> that's got it a little that's got in a little off the bend the left has gone too far extreme yeah. left but then that's that's bro that's a whole different story you know how that's been perpetuated yeah. by the by the uh, whole um, nwo trying to make people transgender hum, trans humans and what not that's yeah. that's a whole another episode bro we can't And, yeah, and uh, just I think just yesterday there was a national swimming championships in the US. Uh, okay. Uh, women's uh, national swimming champion, and it was won by a trans woman, a man, a biological man. Are you man. serious? Yeah. Yes. They're still doing this. They're still yes. doing this after all the controversies created. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> and uh, and this <laughs> and, and this guy, all right, or this woman apparently, when he boy, was boy, a man. Yeah. he was uh, ranked yeah. 462 or something in men, in men swimming and then he became a woman and was number one <laughs> number one well uh, that's yeah um, it's it's there south south park did an episode about this yeah did you see that? <laughs> yeah i see what heather strongman like it was like this guy that looks like macho man like literally i think they've <laughs> taken that randy savage character and he competes in like women's championship and wins everything and They, yeah they made a satire on it but it's this whole it's like one of it's like the same thing like when you said that when people are uh, cops are beating people with lathis and i'm like when are people going to understand that this is a thing like this is so ridiculous when are they going to understand that it's yeah. it's not a real thing that that's how my opinion has evolved even uh, with this whole lgbtq thing 
maybe 10 years ago i was like you know what if a guy likes another guy that's his choice if he wants to be a homosexual that's his choice i don't care what they do with their uh, life but then it got too much man it's like now we are uh, they're infiltrating schools and telling hey you can choose your gender at age 5 that is not sensible at all and they're telling them there's like 135 genders yeah <laughs> in literally literally in in uh, in the uk and australia mm. that's what they've been doing and and they have like a uh, uh, transvestiles coming to cross dressing transvestiles coming to school for like spend a day with a trans like why does a child need to be exposed to that so it is very per- perpetuated so in a way like you said back in the day when you thought it's okay okay some people are gay that's okay maybe that is normal maybe there are some people that are because of psychological conditioning or maybe hormonal fluctuations or whatever but uh, i think don't you think it's been pushed a little too much yeah it's it is being to pu- purposefully for some agenda like that yeah this is now we are going to the bigger uh, conspiracy i think they are uh, trying to make a genderless society they don't want there to be male and female uh, and it also ties to the whole uh, population uh, control agenda as well they don't they're trying to push feminism uh, again wikileaks uh, released this just a couple of months ago cia was trying to push feminism in the united states for two reasons one because uh, they wanted they couldn't uh, tax half the population because women weren't working now you can tax the entire wow. population the, that's, that's yeah i never thought of that that's okay yeah. wow okay and another thing about feminism is that uh, uh, it will reduce uh, control over children if the mother is at home the mother is will working, ha- yeah. yeah is educating the child now kids, yeah. yeah now if nobody is educating the kids if both uh, the father and the mother is working then the state can come forward and play the role of the parent the state wants to be the parent right. because then they can brainwash the children very easily which is what's happening right now which that is those are very very uh, valid uh, points but there is a there is more of that feminism agenda mm-hmm. right like don't you think to some extent and this is something that i feel and i'm not being making a political statement with this but personally in my gut what i have been sensing and feeling is that the whole one of the biggest aspects of promoting feminism has been to uh, has been to bring down masculinity yeah it's absolutely. in some way or the other demasculinizing by making these concepts like man spreading and mansplaining and and uh, toxic masculine anything that is masculine is now called toxic masculine and it's more prevalent in the us and and europe than it is yet in india because india is a very toxic masculine population in ge- country in general so it'll take a while but if you notice like in the youth and in the liberal population these things concepts are catching up you yeah. see some some very wannabe female uh, podcasters or like influencers sorry not podcasters influencers that are very pro feminism and anti masculinity and what not right in india yeah. it's picking up but there is a don't you feel like somewhere there's a deliberate agenda for emasculation definitely there is there is a larger uh, play happening and we are all the actors in this uh, gigantic play that's happening uh, they are trying to radically change uh, civilization and if i go too much into the rabbit hole i feel like uh, feminism and even transgenderism 
is uh, like a stepping stone to transhumanism once they get rid of gender why uh, why stop right. there why not uh, put uh, things into your body like a microchip or why not uh, put that metaverse thing into your head and become one with machine which is what they're doing yeah. which is what they're doing i mean they funded metaverse to be such a huge thing i'm sure they know they're being successful in their steps when they're going in that direction right i mean facebook uh, collects our data on a day to day basis i believe like uh, the meta com- uh, bots know you better than you know yourself yeah I- because they have such a proper analytical robotic understanding of how each and every neuron in your brain twitches to any stimulus than you could ever imagine knowing for yourself exactly. so See, they know how yeah. to not only understand humanity but how to also how to program us which is what they have been doing yeah, yeah. exactly so, they're collecting what us. do you think could be our sorry go ahead go ahead no no they're collecting our you were saying data yeah they're or... collecting our past to design our future right yeah that's why put but uh if we don't want this future mm-hmm. and if we want to fight because clearly it's not a healthy future for humanity right it's mm-hmm. they're just roboticizing us and this yeah. beautiful creature of the human being that has evolved i mean come on we mm-hmm. are the apex predator on this planet right we are the most evolved species on this planet there must be something divine about us that we have raised ourselves from fucking fighting say, like like evolving from uh, all of these other monsters and giant sauruses that have roamed the planet we have reigned supreme like there's something amazing about us right so there must be a bigger uh, for bigger destiny that humanity has than becoming these transgender robots right like there are two futures that like we have a very amazing future that humanity naturally has an inclination towards and then there is this agenda that few people want to keep us as a slave civilization so that they can control us and mine us for whatever they know better um so we are in this this crossroad of mm. evolution evolutionary directions right uh and if you if you actually think about it then this side going towards the transgender and what not it's a larger mass of population that is already very easily manipulatable by the powers that are to take us in that direction and very few of the intelligent ones of our species that can see through it and fight it and be able to like walk away from it but for how long you know once they get the masses to be going this certain direction because like vr and uh, chips insert is already a thing yeah. like we're already there like elon musk next venture is neuralink and everybody yeah. who likes technology worships elon musk so like and most of the world's population now educated population is employed by tech right yeah. what does that mean mm. in terms of what the discussion we're having if you you've noticed that people that work in it are more likely to wear a mask and get their vaccines yeah. than us who are more independent individuals right however the, i mean that's basic psychology that's how it works like you got to come you work 9 to 5 if you want to come to office tomorrow take this jab otherwise you can't come to office it's so easy to control them once you're part of the system so what do you think is a apt solution for us to break away from that and i think and reprogram yeah. ourselves to our own divine purpose i think i can think of a two step solution the, the first one is reconnecting back to nature uh, practical ways of uh, moving away from the matrix 
maybe through this concept of agorism uh, where we don't pay taxes i'll grow my vegetables my neighbor grows vegetables another neighbor there's an aunt in my neighborhood she is good at uh, stitching shirts i'm not going to buy a shirt from a mall and pay taxes i'm going to buy from her and live as a community and uh, look at human beings face to face not screen to screen and uh, connect back to nature because when you're growing your own uh, fruits and vegetables and when you're stitching your own shirt or buying uh, a shirt that your aunt made for you rather than from a mall you are actually connecting back to your work and to your community this is how uh, this is how we used to live uh, 100 years ago this was not considered extreme this was not even called off grid 100 years ago this was the norm and uh, right. that's that's one uh, way of understand that's one part of the solution is what i would say the other part of the solution okay. is not completely abandoning technology we can use technology to fight back uh, a lot of people to escape okay. taxation now people use cryptocurrencies i don't know to what extent uh, it can it may even backfire but i think uh, a lot of people are trying to use uh, 3d printers as well so that they can make their own stuff uh, p- people in the us make three, make guns with 3d printers as well why so that they can protect their community against any kind of yeah. tyrannical forms of that government is, that is yeah. that that is happening that is happening yeah. yes i'm i'm glad you i'm surprised you've heard of that because Mm-hmm. i've heard of i have had friends in the states that have told me about these things but yeah. uh yeah i'm glad you incorporated these two things because when we talk about this off grid living and this mm-hmm. uh, barter system well that's how it's that's how the concept of money started right like i would give you one goat in exchange of a bag of barley and then you would keep exchanging that and then we had to come to a common yeah. uh, denominator like you know you use gold, gold and then that's how we started using you know gold and then the concept of money existed uh problem is that the concept of money was created by these these few bankers like the the rockefellers or whatever or the rothschilds or whatever and they monopolize everything that is fiat currency they monopolize money so the concept of money is not that bad it's just yeah. that the people that control it have their own evil agenda which does not benefit you and me same thing with technology same thing with technology technology is an amazing tool it makes us now if we go back to that era where yeah. i'm stitching clothes with my hand and i am giving it in exchange of food yeah. and i you're spending your whole day tilling soil yeah. not only do we go back to our organic state of being but we also throw ourselves a few hundred years back in terms of progress mm. because if i spend all day just farming my food to be able to put food on the table as compared to how today you can i mean you make a phone call and you have whatever yeah. dish you want on your table in 20 minutes right so that's that's taking us back a lot progressively right so we need if we want to progress as a species and as a community uh we and as a civilization we'll be holding ourselves back if we go down to grass so yeah. i would say we yes we don't need to go back to telling the soil ourselves i mean the system is amazing how it's set in yeah. place there are farmers that do that there are butchers that 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 chop the meat there are factories that make the clothes which is fine and we all mm-hmm. get to have these basics taken care of yeah. so that we can use our minds to progress to making higher things happen in fact automation and systemization is going to be yeah. the future mm-hmm. where the most menial of labor jobs get taken care of by machines so that humans don't have to do menial work anymore and we can be more here right yeah. 
right? Again, mm -hmm. but the people that control technology have an evil agenda. That's why they are using technology to control us exactly. instead of allowing technology for us to evolve ourselves. Further. Which is which is why I don't like conspiracy theorists who are technophobic. I tell my conspiracy theory friends yeah. who are who have a phobia yeah. of, of technology. Listen, guys, maybe rather right. than abandoning technology and making ourselves weaker, because if we if I abandon technology, it's, it becomes easier for government or Rothschilds or whoever to come and colonize me. But if I use technology, if I use 3D printers to make my own guns, or if I use cryptocurrencies to right. make independent currencies and my own financial choices, then that will be much more uh, efficient in me fighting against the system. <laughs> That's why I don't exactly. want to abandon technology. How do they react to that when you try to break this through to them? Uh, Technophobic people, because uh, I know people who refuse to download Ola or Swiggy on their phone because they don't want to use technology, but mm. you're just making yourself like mm. less efficient as compared to the rest of the human civilization. So you're not really helping the system. There are people that are not on WhatsApp because they feel like they're being tracked, but yeah. then your phone is tracked anyways and it doesn't. Yeah. So See, I, I understand that to a certain extent, but I would tell those people, you have to give me an alternative also. If you're telling me you're not going to use WhatsApp, but then you're <laughs> going to use Telegram right. or Signal or something that's much safer than WhatsApp, okay, fine. But if you're going to tell me, hey, I'm, really? not, uh, I'm saying, if I'm saying, uh, maybe telegram signal might be slightly better than i know it's the lesser of two or three evils. until it gets big enough until yeah. it gets big enough now put yourself in the position if you are the founder of telegram or signal right mm -hmm. and you build a big enough database by telling people that it's an alternate solution all right and you get a big enough database big tech comes to your house with two big suitcases and says Here's 50 mil. You can live the rest of your life in happiness and bliss and just sell the rights of Telegram to us and we'll do what we want with it. Or we kill you. What, what, what are you going to do? That's why. <laughs> or I'm going to rape your family in front of you and then chop your head. Like, what, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? Take the 50 mil, right? So it's, on, it's I don't know if that's necessarily the safest Easy solution. Okay. The safer solution for me is to to not be afraid of the system. Okay. To not allow that element of fear to, because if you are, now there are people like, you know, when I'm calling somebody to score some weed or something, they're like, oh, I'm going to talk on the phone. Yeah, well, nigga, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, he's not, no one's coming at you for selling half an ounce, you know, of weed. Like no one's tracking you and using like millions of dollars of CIA technological systems to come after you for this little little pushing that you're doing at the same time if you're not in the fear zone like you know i've never worn a mask all mm. this this whole two years whatever never not once even in the airplane i wore it on the chin and if the aerostis came and told me so you have to wear a mask can you please put it on i was like very politely no thank you i'm okay but thank you she didn't know how to react she almost short circuited <laughs> because she's not used to because usually people are either obedient or they are triggered right so um, so I, I, I found this, this phenomenon happening because we have other friends also that don't wear masks, are not afraid of COVID, whatnot, that we don't get COVID, first of all. I haven't fallen sick in two years and I have, um, I have never been fined. I haven't paid one rupee fine anywhere. But there are people who, when I tell them, don't wear a mask, and they say, no, you get fined. Oh my God, I'm going to get fined. 
they are the ones that get stopped and get fined. So it's like we're again coming to that 3D, 5D thing. The world is living in two different vibrations now. You choose the vibration that you want to live in and it, these things don't affect you or impact you to some extent. Oh. Well, I so you guess, break uh, away from the system by, uh, by you break away from the system by not abiding to it. Sorry, you become mute. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. No, you're still. I still can't hear you. You're not audible. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I Hello? can hear you now. Yeah, I, you're fine. Okay, sorry. It was yeah. just a glitch in my network, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's the first step. That's the first step to first break away from that fear, break away from that barrier of like, oh, what if they come after me, whatever, all that. And then build an alternate system, but we don't have to run into a forest and create an off-grid community. I, that, that is nice. It's always nice to have those. And I appreciate people that are doing uh, off-grid communities so that they are able to bring that essence of energy or village life back. But for some of us that still like to use technology, like you said, to our advantage rather than disadvantage, we can still do that. I, I think we can create off-grid communities by living in the cities or wherever we are in our normal civilizations, but create a digital offline community where, like you said, we trade in crypto, we barter with each other in, in online. Like I could create a website and be like, uh, hey, I have this. Does this thing exist, by the way? Like say you have a website where you can list something that you want to trade. Like say, I have an old laptop. I want to trade that. I put it on there. And then for the similar value of things, there could be other trades that I could do. Like I could trade a laptop for a chair or a, oh. or a furniture set, or I could trade my, I can put what I want to trade, something that I don't want and something that I want. I could upload both these things and, and then the algorithms could find a match and connect me with somebody. So we can do this off-gridding at a larger scale digitally instead of you know being reliant on one small... So, because if you think about it, if you're just one off-grid little community, a five-acre plot with like self-mining or self-sustained whatnot, natural disasters happen. And if something like that happens, you are so vulnerable that you have to crawl back to the system. And in an era where we know where uh, the weather is controlled by them, they can do whatever and fuck you up and you have to go crawl back to the system. So we have to use the system for our benefit, not, not yeah. break away from them and give them all that power over us. Yeah, we've, we've gone uh, through multiple rabbit holes in the past 15 minutes. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad. I, I think we are, you're on the same, same page of thought process like me for a for a newer better future yeah. yeah are we how are we doing on time pratham uh i think uh we're uh one and a half hour in how how much more time do you have are you good with time i thought i thought this was a 45 minute uh discourse, no? <laughs> this can go for as long as you want how much uh more time do you have if you want i can shorten this i i would i say i say we should end this on a on a on a good ending note and then okay. maybe schedule another one for the future if you want to pick up and okay topic fine uh, all right this. so i have two two more questions if you don't mind okay all okay right, we'll so, do a quick two questions okay 
so you and i met uh, two weeks ago in bombay in, at the awaken india moment national meet or uh, 2022 uh, what do you think of awaken india moment oh man i'm so grateful for it first of all because when this whole thing was happening the pandemic and what not all these announcements like we spoke about earlier i was very frustrated and it was like being a neo in a world full of agent smiths no because everybody around was like like shut the fuck up you don't like how you 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 conspiracy theorists you this you that so it was very frustrating and i actually was one of the uh, at, like the the first conference we had last year it was just about 30 something of us uh, some of the the okay. main uh, founders and what not okay in goa and being at that in goa yes and being at that event and being the small community for the first time having 30 40 people around you that are also mm-hmm. feeling the same things yeah. that you are it was so heart rendering so heart rendering and we had a huge battle ahead of us uh, at that juncture because the world was and after that we were hit by the second wave and what not mm-hmm. so it's really be attending this conference uh, that we did uh, uh, this april and seeing how much progress the movement has made how much how many more super active members that have joined the ranks and seeing how much we've accomplished has been amazing it's been yeah. so rendering because the last conference i attended and i was talking to one of the founding members that i had uh, interacted with the first one that that first uh, conference there was although we had all this excitement and all this coming together but there was a sense of nervous apprehension mm-hmm. saying like okay like we're talking all these things but can we can, is it possible can we actually do this seeing the progress now at the second conference with everybody presenting all the work we've done and you know the the big win with uh, johan and uh, and uh, oja ji at, at with the bombay high court thing it's like wow we're actually you know we've hit certain milestones and now it's only exponential growth from here on because the foundation has been set so it's very heart rendering for me yeah. to attend this one yeah same here what man. about you this was your first conference yeah this was my first conference you know uh, when uh, usually i'm around people who contradict me on a lot of things they have the exact opposite okay. energy that i emit when it comes to covid yeah. or on a lot of issues so when i came to mumbai and when i came into that hall and when i saw so many faces uh that were uh, i don't know how to explain it i almost felt emotional because to have that energy of yes. you know of all these people yeah. understanding what i'm going through it made me feel so yeah. comfortable man i i and that felt really good and yeah you described exactly how i was feeling at the first conference actually yes that's what i meant <laughs> and i'm I, really I get, yeah. super proud of this organization man a lot of there are some weirdos who will say bad things about aim <laughs> but i don't care i'm really sure. proud of this organization right when did how did you come in contact with somebody from there or you heard about them online and have you uh, been active in your city like is there a yeah. aim uh, in mangalore yeah yeah so i came across uh, johan almost a year ago i got him on my podcast twice and you know after that okay. <laughs> after that my way of thinking completely changed i mean an hour of talking to johan anybody's life can change they'll probably go yeah, in a conspiratorial way right yes because so, he he speaks his truth he lives his truth like he really has gotten to the and that's the thing about truth no it can only be stifled for so long but if the truth is the truth it 
it has to at some point break through from all because everything that is a facade to cover the truth after all is a facade and it is going to break through so if somebody has really got into the center of the truth and you speak your truth it reflects in that person's persona and i think johan is a exemplification yeah. of that mm. and speaking of mangalore there was no aim in mangalore there was a telegram okay. group called okay. aim karnataka but a lot of people in mangalore were saying hey you know what someone needs to start a group in mangalore someone needs to start and even i was like that okay someone needs to start that someone ended up as me okay because Thank i you. yeah i yeah, couldn't wait right. for someone else to start a group because nobody is starting one yeah. so i just started a normal you know telegram and a whatsapp group called wake up mangalore there were barely 20 30 people there was nothing wake much happening yeah. wake, wake up nice. mangalore okay. and uh, eventually things got worse here in november of last year they said uh, you don't have the vaccine you can't enter malls you can't enter theaters you couldn't even enter right. uh, yeah. government buildings now government buildings unlike malls and theaters is a necessity okay malls necessity, and theaters right. i yeah. can say i don't want to go <laughs> so yeah. i believe that they in south india they included temples also because i heard a yeah. few people calling me from bangalore that they said even temples and religious places mm-hmm. when they did open they were not allowed to enter without but how strict were they in the government offices like they 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 were barricading and not allowing anyone or you could talk your way through if you if uh-huh. if they were understanding enough so here in mangalore uh, the mangalore city corporation commissioner said that you can't enter the corporation building if you don't have the vaccine certificate i wanted to figure out how strict okay. they are really so me and 20 other guys ha, not good, not only did, did we walk into the yeah. building we walked into his cabin and we said boss enough this doesn't make sense this is uh, in contradiction of really? supreme court's order and he immediately rolled it back fucking very good bro yeah. <laughs> that is amazing props to you man yeah, that's man. a Thank big you. win yeah. thank you so much and Thank you. Yeah, that is that's and it's uh, it's really amazing to see that how he was so responsive which meant that inside his head he himself was questioning it he so just he needed somebody was. to 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 like kind of bring it to the front forefront otherwise most people are not so proactive with just doing things on their own they'll hold it in their own thing and they're just doing the job role yeah and we went to multiple people we went to a college and we got it reversed there we went recently a month back we went to this additional dc guy we tried to get him uh, get the vaccine mandates rolled back in malls and theaters it got rolled back as okay. well uh, now we don't have vaccine uh, passports in mangalore at all not even in malls and theaters they don't check it at all uh, but here's a common thing that you see when i went to meet the college principal or when i went to meet this commissioner or the dc this is what they say hey you know what we get orders from above you may be right yeah. maybe you have a point but hey we have orders we can't do anything about it exactly yeah, yeah. so that's what we also experienced here in in pune mm-hmm. and and that's the thing that's how the hierarchy is set up like it just mm-hmm. rolls on top till it goes up higher we did that you know we get our orders from here so we went to the state government we go state government says we get and then you keep going up the ladder until you get to a point where you don't have access to yeah obviously like you know it comes down from wherever so that's how uh, that's how the system is set up they're not fools when they set this up they knew that there are going to be people that oppose it and they've created a structure in place of how to stifle opposition because that's what politicians do na stifle oppositions that's that's in their blood <laughs> they're good yeah. at it and we are powerless who are we as compared to people who have funding of 
thousands of crores, you know, like who are, what are we, like we're powerless. Yeah, but that, the only power we have is truth. Yeah. And, we speak the truth. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and it's making a lot of people angry now. I'm, I, you know, I'm seeing a change in rhetoric. Earlier, uh, a lot yeah. of people who I know were like, you know what, let's uh, uh, look at this. Let, let's try to fight this legally. Let's go to one government bureaucrat and let's go to another government bureaucrat. And now a lot of people have reached their boiling point. They're like, dude, fuck these people, man. These guys need to get hanged. Bring back the guillotine. These guys need to get beheaded. One <laughs> after let's put a guillotine yeah, in front because... of the uh, buildings and all that shit. Uh, my gosh, it it probably will come down to that at mm. some point. And then that's when they'll bring in the police force and the armies. And that's mm. where humanity will prevail when the army and police, mm. as human beings, mm. they back, they reverse their their their, uh, yeah. their energies and say, mm. okay, like we have to let them know the the, the guns of of the government, like the army and the police. We have to let them know that you are here to protect the people. What you are doing is not protecting the people. You are uh, helping the perpetuators of society to dismantle the people. Like it's, you're doing exactly. exactly the opposite. And that has to be a human approach. Exactly. Do you think that we should start working on that first, educating yeah. the army and police yeah. before we go throw our, ourselves out to the wind? Yeah. We and how have... can we do that like is there is there a way to access that like i think to a certain extent uh, awaken india movement has already done it because uh, at the beginning of uh, 2021 there was this guy in the air force who was uh, asked to get the vaccine yes. and aim said yeah, yeah, aim yeah. intervened he said, said i yeah and and there I was an article yeah there was an article Th- this air force guy he i believe what he had uh, in- initially decreed is that I do not want to take a vaccine because mm-hmm. I use Ayurveda as my mm-hmm. medium of uh, of uh, health Medicine, treatment, yeah. and I and I don't want to I don't want to do vaccination. And they apparently they sliced him off, like they they took his they gave the they they fired him or something like that. And that's where AIM intervened and fought the case for him, and yeah. he won, right? Exactly, right. Yeah. And did that, but that didn't change the law. They that- gave him the case. But that, that, but it was still mandatory for all, all yeah. personnel to be vaccinated. But I think these are small steps that will help uh, people among the army personnel or the police personnel realize that we are not just fighting for ourselves. We are not crazy protesters. We are also fighting for your lives. When I meet a police officer or when I meet a government bureaucrat, I tell them, you know, you are not receiving right. your salary from the government. We are giving you. Are you, uh, we are giving you your salary because Very it, comes, good point. it comes from our tax money. Our taxes are exactly. being paid. Yes, we have so, given it down. So when yeah. they do these lockdowns and stuff, and when we are not earning, uh, chances are very soon you are not going to receive your salary as well. That's a very, that's a very good point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I also tell them, look, a lot of uh, people among the police force have also been affected. Uh, by these vaccine side effects because they were the first ones to get vaccinated because they were essential workers. Now, who will fight for right. their health? If something happens to that them, who will fight their cause? Not the government, we. Okay, so we are more empathetic to you than your own employers. So maybe it's in your best interest to be nice to us. Right. That's yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. That's a very valid... I didn't think about that whole tax money thing. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but there has... But I'm... I'm glad you've had good success with that. Probably mm-hmm. you may be a good orator, 
I think one of the issues with that is interpersonal skills, right? Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of AIM members I've noticed are uh, revolutionaries, right? Yeah. Including yeah. myself, mm-hmm. we are very loud and outspoken, mm-hmm. and I'm. I am no hypocrite. I am also the same way. So if I get triggered and I'm talking to a police officer or somebody like that, I could start getting loud and obnoxious. And then they put their wall in. And then because they have that power of like shunning you off because they are the law, uh, they, we close that, they close that door on you. But I think a, a softer approach, people that are more, how you say, uh, neutral communicators, yeah. To do that task, to talk to uh, these individuals, yeah, or through a reference. Like if you know somebody through somebody, because in India, this referential thing is a very important aspect, you know, like you go to somebody's office uh, through someone's reference, you will be put on that in that door a lot faster than somebody that just come to the office. So so I think we need to systemize and strategize something where we can outreach to the army right away so that when it becomes a civil disobedience uh, we know the army is more uh, is at least informed to be on the right side of the battle because that's their only power once we come down to the streets to 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 deface politicians the only thing that can protect them between us the people who want what the bearers of the torch and them the evil politicians is the army yeah yeah and uh, finally to conclude this podcast i'll end it with a very yes. vague question but an important question, nonetheless. What do you think is the purpose of life? For human life or life in general? Uh, for l- life in general or for you, for Adam Aswani. Well, for me, it's all of these things we spoke about to make people more aware and conscious about all of these topics. Really, we hit a wide range of things like pinpoint. They're all interrelated in some ways especially in today's times. And it's, yeah, so that, so I'm so grateful for you to give me yeah. this platform to talk about all of these topics because what we need to do, it's all, is the best we can do is let, sorry about that, I was just swiping my phone, is to let people know that this is happening and uh, why this is happening and coming back to the purpose of our human existence and our lives and whatnot. You know, we spoke about a lot about like how uh, in, um, uh, we're to talk about quantum, right? Like I would say the purpose right now for humanity is to shift into a more quantum existence or an awareness of the quantum world, which is everything outside of the physical world that is beyond, right? Now, back in the day, people had a better awareness of this. In ancient human history, if we talk about the you know, you see the pyramids and you see the Aztec cult civilization, or you even go back to like the uh, Atlantis and whatnot, where they had these kind of quantum technologies where crystals were fueling spaceships and things like that, right? All these existed and it is written in our Vedas also. You know, like the, the, the manuscripts of the Vedas, which talks about uh, Vahans, like uh, Viman Vahans, like which was Ravana used that aircraft to kidnap Sita and flew her to Sri Lanka, right? These there, there is a lot of mention of spacecrafts along with diagrams and represent diagrammatic representation in our ancient text, which use nuclear fission and uh, anti-gravitational forces and whatnot to, to fuel spacecraft, spacecrafts. 
So alien technology, whether that was alien technology or whether that was technology that human beings had access to back in that time existed. So we did have a better understanding of quantum, the quantum world and nuclear fission and whatnot. We don't now, but we will again in the future because we are going back in a loop. What is that loop? Have you heard of the um, uh, the Yuga cycles? You know, yeah, Kali Yuga. Yeah, to, we are in Kali Yuga right, right now. Yeah. We are in, I feel, I feel that we are in this transitional phase from Kali Yuga to Dwarpa Yuga. So I believe it's Kali Yuga, Dwarpa Yuga, then Treta Yuga, and then Satyuga. And it's a 28,000 year cycle. Can I take a minute to explain to you what that oh, phenomenon yeah. is? Okay. So uh, just as the earth, our earth revolves around the sun and our moon revolves around the earth, right? The orbit. Okay. Right. Right. Similarly, our sun, the sun, which is the center of our solar system revolves around a bigger star. So okay. as our earth is going around this way, this sun is going through a bigger rotation through endless space this way. So along with the sun, so is our little cluster of planets called our galaxy like this. So not, Earth is not growing in one space only. Our Earth, where we are, is going through this vast entirety of space, which is a 28,000-year cycle, right? So in, there is, in this vast, vast space, there are different areas which have different gradients of magnetic resonance and uh, electromagnetic forces and certain places where there is lower centrifugal force in some areas where there is higher gravitational force. So there are what we call the yuga, the Kali Yuga, Dwarpa Yuga, whatnot, are nothing but patches of energy gradients that our earth is going through. So Kali Yuga is this very dark and dense space of space itself where human potential and consciousness is limited. But as we move into higher planes of existence, we will be more interdimensional in our understanding of the world around us. Not only the planet, but even we, because uh, the magnetic forces that surround our planet and space affect our auric field and also our brainwave patterns. So, which is the basis of astrology, right? Astrology and gemstones and whatnot, right? Because like Jupiter has a certain impact on your body, and your brain. So if Jupiter is a little further away during your, your birth time, it has a different impact on you as it would on me if it is positioned differently in my chart, right? So, so astrology is basically about these cosmic bodies and their impact of their electromagnetic forces on us. So this whole yuga cycle is basically that. So there was a time where we were in Swat, uh, uh, Treta Yuga and uh, uh, Satyuga at one time, the golden era which was when humanity was more intelligent because the density was lesser. Like it's less dense, right? Kalyug is the most dense. And I feel, I believe, the peak of Kalyug was the medieval era where we were just openly slaughtering and slashing people. There was no, there was no compassion for humanity. We were living very animalistically, right? We, there was all these wars and famines and floods. That was a peak, the dark ages, it's called. That was the peak of Kalyug. And we are slowly moving away from that. Right, compared to just 14th, 15th century, where if you and I got into an argument at the bar, you would take out a sword and slash my throat, be like, fuck you, nigga, I don't like you. How much humanity has changed since then? Somebody that brought that along was 
Moses and Jesus with what we call Christ compassion. Christ consciousness is nothing but compassion. Karma. Do unto others as you want to do unto yourself. So that has ushered a revolutionary change in our journey towards higher consciousness. So we are going through a consciousness evolution right now and our minds are expanding and we will be able to harness more technology and understand the quantum in a very few years as we are progressing in that dynamic. 2020 and this phase is supposed to actually illuminate us further and, and which is true, which is happening. People are more intelligent, more conscious, more aware, but the powers that control us don't want humanity to expand their consciousness. Hence, they're doing all of these things to kind of control our consciousness by putting us in a fear vibration. Because if you're in a fear vibration, you're stuck here in your, uh, in your muladhara. So we are not expanding these chakras because you're just here, you're in survival. So only when this is balanced, then we can think about the higher chakras, which is the, the self and then the anahata, which is consciousness love for everybody around when you have openness of love with everybody your heart chakra is fulfilled then you go into expression which is creativity the throat chakra vishuddhara then you go into the the higher chakras which is your crown chakra whatnot they are stifling this by keeping us in survival with impregnating us with fear so like i said before just and allow yourself to experience the higher forms of consciousness and expand. So what is the purpose of life? In one word, expansion, growth. Wow, that was a, that was a lot to consume. <laughs> this was a, a bit of a ramble, a of, sorry. A bit of a what? A bit of a, a bit ramble. Of, a bit of a ramble, yeah. Sorry, just <laughs> went for a bit. I, I love ramblings, man. I, I, ramblings, you know, especially when they're uh, very incoherent, they a lot of people will say this doesn't make sense for me this is like poetry okay it doesn't have to make sense like i said earlier some things cannot be explained they have to be experienced i don't know if i agree with everything that you said but this was a very interesting conversation i'll tell you that and you're a very thank interesting you. person okay. as well and uh, thank you so much for being on my podcast thank you dude thank you so much for the opportunity and it was fun chatting with you